Welcome to the Industry Insights Podcast, everybody here on the Career Cafe. Our goal here is to help make work work better for you. And we do that by bringing you insights, career advice, and lessons learned by some of the industry's leading experts, executives, and entrepreneurs in finance and supply chain. We discuss what works and what doesn't so you can make better career decisions and achieve what you want in your career. And today I have a uh, longtime HR professional, Wendy Knight, who I did work with years ago. Great. It's great to have you on, Wendy. I'll tell the, tell the listeners a little bit about you. I think this is going to be a really interesting episode because in recent episodes, I've had a number of senior executives on and we've talked about how they got to where they are in their career. But Wendy works with people when they're in that career decisioning mode and helping them make better career decisions. So she's working with those people in the moment to really have an impact on their career. Uh, Wendy is a seasoned HR professional who's held senior human resources roles with some very well-known corporate organizations, including Motorola, uh, Motorola rather, PwC, and Sierra Wireless. But Wendy has spent the last 15 years in the world of outplacement with LHH, a global leader in that industry. Wendy Knight, welcome to the podcast. It's great to see you again. Thanks, Jeremy. Great to see you too. Appreciate it. Yeah. Tell tell the listeners a little bit about your background and how you got into Outplacement. Because when we worked together, you were that HR executive yourself, and then you transitioned into to Outplacement. For someone who's not familiar with Outplacement, and you're and I, is that a fair way of describing what you're you're currently doing? Yeah, so it's interesting. The term outplacement has almost has really been replaced with career transition. Uh, when outplacement first started in the 70s, it, it was very much helping people through that process of, of exiting the organization. And it you know, wasn't of, of their decision, uh, typically. Um, it's really our, our service and our, our side of the business has evolved to helping individuals transition. And I, and I do say, you know, we we help you get from where you were to where you're going. Sure. Uh, we're, not, we're not the recruiter that's going to, you know, help place them in a job per se. We're going to help them make good decisions uh, based on where they're at in their career and yeah. and, and help them, um, you know, position themselves in the market in, in, a, in a way that works best for them career-wise. So career transition tends to be the broader term, but, but outplacement is what people think of it sometimes from a historical perspective. I will replace my verbiage going forward. Thank you for that. So, I mean, what an interesting spot to be, yeah. hey? I mean, I don't, I don't know what the most recent, uh, recent stats are. I think when I looked, people change careers perhaps every four years. Yeah. And if you if you're only doing something every four years, how practiced or good are you going to be at that? And uh, so it it I think you get to see people when they're in that moment and see what works, what yeah. doesn't yeah. work, and you're able really able to help them uh, through that whole process. Yeah, and I think so. If if we think about what's happened in careers, and I'll I'll draw myself into it as a parallel. Um, you know, so when I started in HR, and I'm not going to say how many years ago it was, but it was a long time ago, but the older school thought process was, you know, get out of school, get out of university, get a, get in with a good company, and, you know, your career is kind of taken care of. And and that's not really the reality anymore. Mergers, acquisitions, change in technology, et cetera. We all know what's, what's going on in the world. And so um, we are seeing larger organizations where people may have started their careers with that mindset. Things are changing in the organization, their roles eliminated, their departments eliminated, whatever. And then they're they're coming to us with for career transition support, 
Okay, so right. that's where I'm sitting right now in terms of helping people navigate their career, often at a point that wasn't of their choosing. Okay, so that's the okay. whole career transition uh, point of view from, from the, the corporate work that I do and the individuals that I'm working with. My own career in HR, um, while I started in a time when that was more of the mindset, I, I had the opportunity to work in various industries, various organizations, uh, and and hone my skills as an HR generalist, starting out you know, in the training department at Eaton's. Uh, and then hiring temporary staff at the Eaton Center in Toronto after I graduated from university. So I hired Santa and the elves and, you know, all sorts of, all sorts of things. So so I started in that recruiting. That's quite the accomplishment, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, and I've hired C-suite executives and sort of everybody in between over the course of my career. So, so in my 25 years as an HR generalist, I worked in a variety of sectors. Uh, I, you know, and and I built my skills. Benefits and compensation weren't my weren't my real forte, but it was all about rounding out my skill set as an HR generalist, right. ultimately as an HR leader. So I sort of hit uh, a mid-career wall, if you will, early to mid 40s. Although it, interestingly, we're we're seeing that mid-career pivot point, and there's no one age or or pivot point, but. It, it's varying now for people because we're all living longer, we're all working longer. So, so people are able to do career pivots when they're fifty. Uh, you know, it, it, it's everyone's situation is unique. Yeah. In my case, it was sort of the early, early forty stage of. You know, I've been twenty five years in corporate HR. I liked what I was doing. I had a young family. I was, you know, trying to trying to do it all and realizing maybe not always doing it all perfectly. Uh, so I took a bit of a break myself and went through the career transition process and saying, OK, so what do I like to do? What are my skills? What would I like to do more of? What would I like to do less of? So so that whole process of self-awareness and uh, market awareness, talking to people, leveraging my network. Um, and, and I came up with, you know, I might want to get a little um, closer to my HR roots, less about the leadership and more about the individual coaching and supporting. And so for me, it was recruiting or career transition or career development. I've right. done a lot of career transition uh, and reorganization in the tech space in particular. And I'd also done a lot of coaching with professionals at, at PwC, it's Coopers and Librand in the day, but at PwC, yeah. uh, in terms of new CAs. And what do you want to do now that you're a CA? Do you want to specialize? Do you want to, uh, you know, go on the partner track in audit? Do you want to go into industry? So Right. So when I stepped back and did my own assessment of where my career was going, I really went through this process and I came up with sort of two lanes. So you, you've described it a few times as a process. Mm -hmm. Was it a process in your mind at the time? Because mm -hmm. I'm assuming that, that there is a process that you deploy in this type of initiative. Mm -hmm. um, and may, yeah. we'll, we'll get into that. But that, it, was it a process to you at the time? Yes, it, it, it was. I sort of felt I'd hit a wall. And, and again, a lot of the people I work with, the leaving was not of their choice, but the process to get yourself in the driver's seat about what's next for your career is very similar, right? We all we all go through transitions in our own way, right? Yeah. Based on our age and our uh, you know stage of career, our goals, et cetera. But there is a process. And if you step back and you sort of say, how do I transition from one thing to another? Uh, it does start with, in some cases, letting go of where you've been. Yeah. And especially if that wasn't your choice to leave. So there's a bit of that letting go process. 
I, I say the next stage is kind of the taking stock. So who am I? Where am I at? What's going on with me holistically, right? My family, age and stage things, uh, you know, what variety of different issues. And how does my, how do my career goals and thoughts about my career fit into it? And, you know, a lot of people don't really take the time to think about having career goals. They sort of yeah. ride the wave, which is all good, right? They get great opportunities. They get rewarded. So recruiter reaches out to them, you know, et cetera. So, so our careers can often just have a momentum of their own. And sometimes there is an external event that, that forces yes. us to pause and evaluate. Or sometimes it's more of an intrinsic internal event where we sort of go, whoa, i gotta got to slow things down or, yeah. or stop, re yeah. reboot. So I think ideally we would say, you know, once a year, does everybody pursue their career goals? Check in on your finances, check in on your relationships, check in on your, you know, your personal goals and et cetera. We don't do that realistically. Most of us aren't that disciplined. And so I think for a lot of us around career, it's easy to kind of get swept up with the wave. So when, yeah. you know, when you're, when you're then thinking about a shift or when it's been forced upon you, then that process becomes reflective to start. Is that something that you encourage people to do each year, sit down and spend some time intentionally working on your career as opposed to just the working in your career? Yeah, so it's a great distinction, right? I, I think that most organizations now are, are getting a lot better at having a career conversation with an individual separate from the performance review conversation. Yeah. So yep. often that can be a good trigger to have those conversations with not only your your boss and your organization and thinking about it there, but but also with yourself, right, in terms of where you see yourself going. And we no longer expect the organization to owe us a career. It's all about we're actually we own our careers and Absolutely. the organization is, you know, they have a vested interest in training and developing us. And some organizations are able to commit to career pathing. Uh, more than others, right? So, so I do encourage people when, whenever that formal process of performance review slash career conversation is happening at work, it's a good trigger to then say, so let me step back a little bit and think in the in the bigger picture. How am I doing? Am I where yeah. I thought I might be? Are there things I could be doing? I think it's, I think it's a tough thing because it, as human nature, we we know that we're supposed to save ten percent. We know we're supposed to eat less than we you know the calories than we than we burn all that kind of stuff. But we don't because <laughs> it's not human nature. And I think careers is it, especially if we've been in that situation where you know you you move from one role to another role and opportunities avail themselves but when you find yourself in that position whether by choice or it wasn't your choice where you need to make a move mm -hmm. again having the skills to be able to navigate through that is and I think that is something that kind of cuts across levels and seniority and experiences regardless of whether you're starting your career or you're at the sea level as a human, when you go into that, all the same emotions, like I've talked to CFOs and CEOs that are between roles that the board said, hey, listen, we're going to go in a different direction. The same emotions apply when you're at that level, whether you were you're downsizing, you're in the first three years of your career in many cases. And so you find yourself in that what works and what doesn't when you're in that situation. It's a it's a really so there is a process that we, we can maybe talk a little bit a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's go back, um, give you a little bit of opportunity to talk about LHA because I'm interested. So Global Company, tell us a little bit more about the, the, the firm and uh, what, the, what the organization does. 
right. We're, we're on LHH uh, Purchase Knightsbridge. So some of the Vancouver people are Canadians uh, yes. may be yeah. familiar with Knightsbridge, uh, which was a private Canadian uh, career transition. Uh, well, human capital organization. I think we use the human capital term more broadly because career yes. transition is one of the practice areas. And right. we also do talent and leadership development, executive coaching, team building, succession planning, et cetera. So uh, effectiveness there. So so really, we're looking at almost the whole employment lifecycle, if you will. But the transition piece that I'm a part of is when organizations uh, and or individuals are often leaving the organization. Um, and and then so an individual could come to LHH or an organization could potentially come to LHH. Correct. Most of most of our customers are corporate. Right. Uh, and and we do now that we're part of the LHH global organization. Uh, and LHH as as one of the business businesses, and then in those in those three areas that I was talking yeah. about. So so um, mostly corporate, um, and we have regional experts, if you will, right? So we know the local market in our various regions, and we also have that global footprint and that global uh, resource base, thought leadership, and technology right. piece that allows uh, our individual clients or candidates uh, to, to benefit. So usually it is corporate uh, customers that are providing support to the individuals that were impacted by change in their organization. And so then yeah. we're gonna connect with it and we do often get individuals as well, but it's more of a corporate model. Okay, so, I just so wanted to see if, if there were listeners of, hey, I'm, I, wanna, I wanna contact Wendy or someone at LHH sure. in their in a transitionary period, they could do so. Yes, ab absolutely. Yeah. yeah, very good. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're going to see a lot of things. So let's delve into that a little bit more. Um, people in, in, you know, some people have had very, very successful careers where they've, they've worked for organizations for years. And we, we, we talked about that. My, my dad spent 40 years, 40 plus years working for the same company, right? He never had to work for it, ever. I mean, he, from, from the time he started to the time he retired, it was one organization. Um, but you, you've seen people that have had several years of career success, but when it comes to career transition, perhaps they struggle. What is, why, do you, why would they struggle? Why do people struggle? Some people struggle more than others when they're in that, in that phase, do you think? Yeah. So sometimes, sometimes transition can, um, can really catch us off guard, right? We think we're on a path and we think everything's fine and we haven't really considered it. Uh, just, you know, to, to step back a bit, we used to think of career pathing and we used to think in terms of climbing the career ladder, you know, and it, that old school thinking was up is the only way and that the organization would look after us. And we started moving to language more about a career lattice, you know, things yeah. were, in, you know, we wouldn't necessarily, it wasn't up or out. It was, you know, there were way, ways to enrich or enhance our uh, our career and our skills and, and that sort of thing. And really now it's <laughs> careers are like this. We all make different decisions at different stages and there, you know, there isn't uh, those clearly defined career paths always. Right. So I heard the like, term career lily pads. Yes. Lily pads. Exactly. We're, we're yeah. So there's a lot of different ways to visualize or, or, or to talk about it. I think people who have not considered anything but the traditional career ladder have a harder time when sort of, the, you know, the rugs pulled out from under them and they, they thought they were on a path and they hadn't considered options or hadn't been um, open to thinking that way. Now, and that's not just generational necessarily, 
But I would say younger generations have seen their parents been laid off. They've understood that there is no such thing as employment for life anymore, or it's quite rare. So, so I think different generations and and different personal circumstances, we have different views on what would normal be in terms of movement and how we manage our career. But I think that if we can embrace that it's our career, nobody owes it to us, uh, you know, we're in charge. Um, yes, losing your job can can derail you a little bit and cause you to have to regroup and get back in the driver's seat. But but the more people can sort of feel they have a high level vision, not not in two years, I want this job and in five years, I want to be yeah. there. So if you're too set on that, you're also going to have a, a harder time. And look what's just happened in the last year, right? I mean, we've all had to pivot. We all have to be flexible. We've we've realized that it. So it isn't just my company could get bought out, or um, you know, there could be a variety of different economic circumstances. Technology could replace me, but a pandemic could come. Who knew? And yeah. now we've all had to pivot, and we're doing our work differently. So I to answer your question about who who struggles more. I mean, there's no one right answer, but. The more flexible you are in terms of embracing a career as a fluid thing, not a set in stone thing, and and the more you've been perhaps connected to your profession, connected to your community, the more you have a network that you can activate. So important. Uh, the 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 better, right? The easier it is. And I'll tell you, one of the big learnings that a lot of people get out of the career transition process is. Wow, I really let my external network go when I was in company X, right? Because your network to do your job can often be very internal or it's your suppliers or, you know, whatever. So so we often think that our network, when we're working, we're networking, but it's often related to the job or the organization. Absolutely. So so that if, if we step back and say, what am I doing in my profession? Right. Am I networking with other people in other organizations? Do I have some go to people I can pick up the phone and get an opinion on? Those are all things you can be doing in your current job to be aware of what's going on around you. Be, you know, and, and that, and that way you're not caught off guard. That needs to be so intentional, Wendy. I mean, because, again, again, human nature is it's easier not to do that. You've got a busy day at work and you you're, you're off with the family or whatever your life circumstances are. That's the first thing that's easy to go. And that's one of the big things that I'd love people to be able to take away from these episodes is that, yes, you are responsible. And the skills to, I've said before that the skills to manage your career are frequently different than the skills required to do your job. And so you have to very intentionally focus on that. And so when we talked earlier about having a process that you go through and consciously integrating it into what you're doing, such an important message that. Um, really, I think when you're in that transitionary period, if you can integrate those things, you're going to be much, much better off um, it, it, through, the, through that process. Um, so what, what are some of the top lessons that if people knew today would put them in a, diff- a better position tomorrow for their career? I mean, certainly that would be one of them. Networking would be a key component of that. But are there other things that if, if you integrated or you started working on some things today would put you in a better position later on? Yeah, so so the networking is all part of it. I, I think there's there's networking for um, professional development, right? So again, being part of a professional association or just learning from other people uh, in terms of what how they're successful. There, there's that whole side of things. Um, I think there's 
you know, that awareness of what's going on in my world, whether it's my profession, whether it's my industry, am I aware of trends? Am I on top right. of things? Are the skill sets, um, you know, required of me shifting? And, and what am I doing to continue to learn, to continue to grow, to continue to be um, a viable candidate in the market? Um, and whether or not people are thinking about making a change, it's always good to understand your marketability and to be thinking about that. If you're being left behind because your, your comparable job postings that are coming up are all asking for a skill set you don't have, then it might behoove you to get those skills. And, you know, we've got LinkedIn Learning, we've got Coursera, we've got an awful lot of, of um, technology that can help us get experience, get exposure. So, so there's certainly the networking piece. And I, I would also argue the pandemic has made it easier to attend networking events because there's no longer, oh, I can't make it because I got to go pick up my kid and it's not, I can't, I don't have time to go all the way downtown to the meeting. Now right. it's on Zoom. And so, yeah. so we're, you know, there are different ways also to be thinking about how you network, how you stay connected and, and what investment in yourself are you making in terms of, of your career? Have you even thought about it? So having it be conscious, who's, you know, do you have a mentor? Uh, you know, are there, are there, do you have a few go-to people that you can brainstorm a little bit? Um, how do you broaden that professional experience set? Volunteering in professional associations, or if you feel there's a gap in your skills, how might you fill it? And it might not be in your job, it, 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 or it may be in your current job. How can you enrich your current job? So there's yes. a lot of things that I think you can be thinking about uh, to unstick yourself if you're feeling stuck and or to make yourself more market ready when the opportunity presents itself and to be conscious. Yes. But again, very self-directed because you're talking about LinkedIn learning. And there's a lot of things you can learn on YouTube by yep. going and spending some time there to pick up skills and knowledge and get differing opinions it makes you more adaptable to the situations that you're in. So again, again, that that trend of being very self-directed. When we talk about networking, I think there's some some folks that would hear that and go, oh, yeah, I hear that all the time. But what does that really mean? I mean, going to attending a conference, yes, that could be network. Connecting with someone on LinkedIn, sure. But how how do you feel about that? You know, I think human to human connection or Having a relationship with somebody, in my mind, is really where the value of networking comes in because it's people who help people. Just because you've connected with someone or you met them once doesn't mean that they're really part of your network where, the, where they'll help you or do something or opportunities will avail themselves. What, what are some of the words of advice that you have around that? What, 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 do, you, what do you suggest there? I think a lot of people estimate how big the network is. So if you think about the people that you interact with, maybe this last year we've been interacting a little less, uh, but, uh, you know, in terms of face to face. But but who's in your network? It's family. It's friends. It's the person who cuts your hair. It's, you know, I mean, they're, they're, we have a whole range. It's, it's anything to do with sports or your kids sports or, or whatever. So so our network is probably broader than we think. Sometimes people think the network has to be, oh, somebody in my profession or my association. Right. Yeah. Somebody that you worked with a while ago that you connected with and haven't seen for a while. Um, I agree with you around the, the, the reciprocity sort of of a, of a networking relationship, right? You don't want to feel like you're always asking for favors of somebody and, and not that, you know, connecting with them, that that network stays pretty loose, right? So we mm. want to, we want to strengthen our networks. And and that is, 
it re- requires some work on our part as well, right? Some give and take. Sure. And I'd, I'd love your opinion on this and if there's anything I can do to help you, right? right? So also, I think you've got to think about your network is not, you're not networking to get a job. You're actually right. networking yes. for, from a curiosity point of view, from a market awareness point of view, maybe from an advice point of view, depending on who the person is, right? So I think if we can broaden our interpretation of what networking actually is. It doesn't mean smoozing at a conference necessarily and collecting business cards back in the day, right? Or, you know, connecting with people <laughs> on LinkedIn that you never will talk to again, right? right? So that that's not what we're talking about. It's not volume, but it's having a few genuine connections. It's increasing your awareness. It's perhaps planting some seeds and increasing awareness at an organization that interests you and you're not looking to make a job move right now and they may not have a job for you right now, but gather some information, make some connections. Maybe you know somebody who works there that can introduce you to somebody. Right. It's a, so it's information gathering, it's connectedness. And, you know, in Vancouver, we always say we're a bit of a small town and our networking it can be uh, a little more informal. Uh, some some professions or industries or environments or, or geographies might be more um, structured. Right. So it, it, it varies. Each individual situation is different. I just encourage people to think outside the box a little bit more about what networking means. Who are you connected to? Who's interesting to you? Whose career do you find fascinating? And if they could give you two, two pieces of advice, what would it be? You know, right. or, or whatever. So, so thinking a little more broadly about your network, I think, yeah. is, is a helpful mindset. And that mindset of of continually integrating it because again if you if you only think about that when you are in that transitionary phase again you're not going to get the full value perhaps out of that the the value yeah the value that comes from that in in that instance correct if, if you feel like you're just reaching out and asking for help so um you know there's a couple strategies and if we if we switch to that that sort of that process that transition process yeah. Yeah. Uh, and where does networking fit into it? Because I actually think it fits into it in, in two places, right? So the begin if the beginning of the transition process is taking stock personally and professionally, where am I at? What would I like to be doing? More of, less of, et cetera. And also what's going on in my world? What's going on in the market, right? I, you know, are there industry trends? Are there things that, that will influence my search, et cetera? So, so a bit of an iterative process around uh, knowing yourself and knowing the market. And at that early front end of, of a transition process, I think you have an opportunity to leverage your network. Again, from a curiosity point of view, from an information gathering point of view, not from a job search point of view, you're not ready to look for a job yet. Right. You're getting context, you're getting setting, you're you're seeing how that you're getting advice, that kind of thing. So So I'm a big believer in sort of front end loading the process and and gathering information around yourself and around the world that your career has been operating in. And this is the same whether you are doing a, a big capital C career change, right? Like a big career shift, or you want to do something similar. I, right. I, I think the process is a job change versus a career change. Yes, correct. And and I think that to your point earlier, early career, mid-career, late career. The process is still the same. It's checking in with yourself and your surroundings and and gathering information and context and framework to then say, okay, given all of that, who am I? What's my brand? How do I want to be positioning myself? 
And, and that's where the resume and the LinkedIn is connecting to, you know, aspirationally, where do you want to be? So, so you're, you're positioning yourself less about the laundry list and the uh, chronology of what you've done yeah. uh, as much as it is saying, so here's the value that I can add. Here are my transferable skills. Here are the things I'm interested in leveraging and, do, and, and doing more or, or doing differently or doing in a different environment. Right. So it's having that reflective piece is so important to mounting a strategic job search. Right. Yeah. So is it is this a like a I don't know, like a six step documented process that you or or is is it not that formal? So so I think that this is the the Wendy Knight view. This isn't LHH language necessarily. This is my my view, but that that whole taking stock is so important. There are there are some people that will come to us that are that they're very clear on who they are. I I'm a controller in a production manufacturing environment and I like my job and I want to do the same job. Well, they work pretty quickly. We're going to jump into let's tweak the resume, let's make sure it reflects what you've done right. in your last job. Yeah. Let's make sure your, you know, your LinkedIn is up to date, et cetera. And those people are probably going to move more quickly into job search, right? They're they're ready, they're clearer, they they know who they are. But we often get people who are caught off guard and who or and or for whom this is an opportunity to really rethink where they go. So yeah, job search versus career change. There there's a distinction there. And if you're if you're doing a similar job, you still want to think about your brand. You still want to tailor your resume. If it's been a while since you've done your resume, you may not have an applicant tracking system friendly resume. You may have a one that looks awesome and it's got all these little charts and symbols and, <laughs> and columns that the applicant uh, the applicant tracking system right. doesn't know what to do with, right? Just don't. And yeah, just don't. 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 So so it's it's all about that, right? It's 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 ensuring that you're approaching the market in a way that makes sense for your target and how yeah. they're going to be recruiting. This is where I think my my recruiting background doesn't hurt in the career transition piece, right? Because yes. I'm, I'm we're helping people present themselves uh, in the recruitment community, and you want to be from a place of self awareness and yeah. have that vision of what the ideal next step looks like, and your brand should align with that as much as possible. And then all of that is preparing you, of course to then reach out to your network again. So if the early networking is market awareness, um, information gathering, starting to put meat on the bones in terms of your marketing strategy and your marketing plan. Once you have a plan and the branding all done to support it, then you can start to reach out to your network right. again. And it's a bit more, again, it's not fully, I'm looking for a job, but it is, uh, I am ready for a job. Here's how you can help me. So you're, you're yes. going to use your network at different stages in your transition. And all of that prepares you, of course, for interviewing. And, you know, you know your worth, you've done your research, you can negotiate, and and then you set yourself up for success in the new job. So that's kind of the, that's the yeah. process. So if we, if we could, yeah, if that's a good overview. So if we could use our network as a is a resource for career transition, but it's not only a resource for career transition. It's something that truly is an asset that you, the cumulative effect. They talk about compound interest when it comes to your career. You started your career in that mindset, and the cumulative effect of networking and paying attention and building that for the life of your career would have enormous value that you'll, oh, and by the way, you could use it when you're looking to transition in your career as well. 
I've got this aspirational idea that I'd love to inspire people to move to the point where you've worked on your career and your network and all these components so that when it came to career transition, talk about resumes. Resumes can be scary for people. You don't even need a resume because if you had a network and goodwill and a brand where people knew you and your goodwill wasn't just within the walls of your specific department in your organization and you wanted to make a move or you needed to make a move, you could activate your network and people be like, come on in. You don't even need a resume. You just, you're, you're able to activate that. But that's this aspiration. I'd, I'd like people to work towards very difficult to pull off in reality. But if you think long term, I do think that that could be achievable if you put the time and resources to it. Yeah. And, and I think that that's part of having that mindset, which says, I don't have my career plan set in stone, but I understand I'm going to grow. I'm going to be flexible. I'm going to continue to stay connected to people. And, and I want to be open to new opportunities. If you're carrying right. that mindset with you, if, if a transition is imposed on you, you'll have a, you'll have a quicker time in, you know, reacting um, and um, it, it will it will serve you well. And, and that vision of people know who you are, you've, you've got a, an active network and a good yeah. brand, um, then then you will get tapped on the shoulder. I think the key thing is you, we get tapped on the shoulder and it's not always for things we want to do that fit and align, but that's okay, right? Being able to say, appreciate you thinking of me, not, that's not really what I'm looking to do at this point, right? It, it's having those conversations. It's also being attuned to what is out there, how your brand is perceived and and uh, tweaking it or refining it as necessary. Yeah. yeah. When, when you use the term career plan, I've used that before. And I think it, it, it scares some people because I it's very tough to have a career plan. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't engage in career planning. Correct. They're, they're, they're two like yeah to say to sequentially say okay I'm going to do this then this then this good luck pulling that off um, but you should be involved in planning for your career and intentionally work, working towards that let's talk about the, the the recent events of the last year year and a half how has have you seen that change or has it changed what goes into this process and and the whole planning process and career management mm -hmm. so it's interesting i mean the obvious change is like now everybody has to be very comfortable with technology and they have to not be freaked out about doing um a, a, a video interview um, right. and the use of technology right and it'll be interesting to see going forward how how much that stays in the process versus face-to-face -face interviewing and at what stage in the in the transition and all of that so so there's that that obvious one i I think the best practices, though, around self-awareness and market awareness and, and your brand and, you know, documenting that and having a having a search plan, I don't think any of that's changed. I, I think that the, the high level process is the same. The technology might slightly differ. Right. So um, surprisingly, I mean, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, a lot of organizations hit the pause button. They had to they had to regroup and figure out how they were going to do their business remotely. Um, the um, and then we kind of got back to it, and it was a bit slow over the summer, and then things started to pick up. So so the clients and candidates I'm working with are are landing jobs. It's not like the market just has been on hold for right. 15 months. Not at all. It was an initial thing. Uh, the other piece that I'm seeing as organizations have pivoted to remote work 
is what's it going to look like in the future? And there's a lot more openness, I think, and willingness of some organizations more than others to consider remote employees. So so do we need to limit ourselves to the Vancouver market if I don't need the person to come into my Vancouver office? Um, or could they come, you know, once a month? Could they be in Calgary? Uh, and and so I think we're probably going to see some evolution around that. We're going to probably see some organizations are going to say you're back to work and you're back in your desk five days a week in September. And others are going to be able to say, you know, given our business, let's let's look at this hybrid model that we keep hearing about. Right. And it's going to be a hybrid yes, model. It yeah. depends on on the organization. But, um, you know, if you can do your job remotely and you're meeting all the criteria and you're connecting to people and you don't actually need to be in the office, do we want to encourage that? Do we want to have one day a week where we're in the office because we know the importance of community and connection? Um, the water cooler talk, the relationships to the earlier point, it's about your network too. It is, you know, we are human Changes beings. That, we do like face-to-face better than technology, yeah. right? If we have a choice. So it's going to be interesting to see, and I believe some organizations, their differentiators from a recruitment value proposition uh, will probably shift. Yeah, I I, I, I can see it changing the scope of your network potentially as well, because if you're all if all of your know, regardless of where you're listening to this from, if you're if your network is local, that may have made sense before. Maybe we need to broaden that out a little bit within the industry as a whole. Because if you're if you can work remotely, you you your employer could be anywhere. Yeah. And I think that has an impact on how you go about that. Yeah. And 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 so everybody's situation and scenario is going to be different. There are certainly some industries where you you have to be there. You know, mm-hmm. you can't work on the shop floor from your dining room table. It doesn't work. Right. So they're in manufacturing, not to be in the manufacturing. Not be there. Exactly. So and and again, I think there are organizations and even our own uh, where we're going to be looking at our clients to help lead this a little bit, because our clients are saying, do I want to come downtown and meet you face to face for a 45 minute meeting when I can just do it on Zoom? I'm set up at home now. Maybe I don't need to do that anymore. Maybe we do it for our first meeting to uh, can we shake hands even? I don't even know. But, you know. What, what's that going to look like in terms of our connecting with the client um, and, and our one-on-one things? But they're also saying, we appreciate networking. We understand that group sessions have value. And we would be open when it's safe to do so to coming into the office to collaborate, to network, et cetera. So that, you know, for my business, we're going to have to be thinking about that. And so for everybody who's thinking about their career, uh, or or where they take it next. That's going to be a consideration around the employer and or what the industry norms are. You've got to manage your own expectations accordingly. If you want to work from home and your job is in manufacturing, something might have to give. Mental health has been a, ma- a massive impact. I mean, pandemic aside, I think it's, it's, it's been building where it's become people become more aware of that, more sensitive to that. Um, I think organizations and employers are probably more keen to assist within that. When you're talking about career change or job change, that can be a very emotionally and mentally exhausting experience. What can pe- what can people do? What's your what have you seen or what what works well to mentally wrap your mind around uh, what that what that process is and how it can it, it can impact life? 
Yeah, so I, I would say it, a lot of people we're dealing with from that outplacement career transition mindset, you know, it's a loss. It's a loss of your job and your identity. And mm. all of those proactive things we talked about earlier, the more you've done proactively, the better able you are to react. And so yes. if you haven't been as as um, uh, sort of open or or thought beyond what your immediate circumstances were, then this loss really hits hard. And and so part of our job is to help people regroup a little bit, right? Build, rebuild the confidence, et cetera. So, so it is a loss. And depending on what else is going on in your life personally, it can compound. So if you know, stress at home or illnesses or whatever, those are moving, right? Those are even a positive move is stressful. So if we think about what are yes. some of the big stressors. Been there. <laughs> yes. So, so what are some of those big stressors in life? Job change, not just job loss, but job change itself is stressful. You can be moving on to a great new organization and a great job that fits within your broader career plan. And guess what? It's all still new. It's how do you set yourself up for success in the first few months of those of, of that job? That's a transition. That's change. That's hard. And so the more we're aware of our self-care uh, and and the physical and mental health connection, the better. Because even that positive of starting a new exciting job is still stressful. So you still need to look after yourself. You still need to be aware of balance, whatever that looks like for you. And, and um, you know, setting some ground rules in terms of how you want to show up in the new organization, understanding their norms, their cultures. Do you get to work from home one day a week? and not have to commute. Does that give you enough of a break to regroup from a mental health point of view? So I think there's a lot of different things that that individual to each person or each job or each organization, uh, but a lot of different things that we can be thinking about. And I, you're right, we're all much more aware of the importance yeah, of that. Yeah. And I'll tell you, being in a job where you're unhappy is not good for your mental health. So that proactiveness of don't, you know, doesn't have to be status quo. It, it's a little harder to make the decision yourself to make a change. You have to be brave. But if you network and you do your research and you are connected to people and, and you can start to create a vision of what's next and then it's actionable. And um, that might make a big difference to your mental health if you're if you're not feeling fulfilled in what you're currently doing or if it's not working for you. Everything is interrelated. So if someone's listening and they're not engaged in some of these career management initiatives, start doing it today because it's connected to your mental health. It's connected to your financial situation. It's connected. So we talked about, you know, the purpose of the podcast is to help make work work better for you. Well, work is just one part of the pie, but it's connected to everything else within that. All those things are, are integrated. So that that's uh, that's the. Very good insight. Um, you know, career change versus job change. Mm -hmm. Someone's you know, career is, is I mean, if you look up the definition of career, I mean, it's usually a profession, you know, depending on which one you look at, a profession that lasts a long time, whether it's a lifetime or whatever the case is, versus a job. Mm -hmm. uh, moving from a career, you know, pivoting a career, because we hear more and more about that. Mm -hmm. Does the advice change when you're looking at changing a career versus changing a job? I think where we encourage people, if it's a career change, you want to understand why, what's compelling you to do that or what's propelling you in that direction. Uh, more emphasis on the skill assessment, the self-awareness, the, the, the gaps between the aspirational career and where you're currently at. 
So is that education, is that experience, right? And it may influence, if you've got a broader vision for your career, the next job change at a more tactical level can be informed by the bigger strategic career initiative. I'd like to get more experience leading people. I want yeah. to ultimately be a people manager. That could influence your next job change because you say, so I want to at least get some team lead experience or have one or two direct reports in the next job I go to. I've been very specialized and I see my path as being more broadly people leadership. Maybe I take some courses and maybe I volunteer to get some experience, et cetera. So, so career change is broader. I think job change is a little more tactical. So a little more strategic on the career, a little more tactical on the job change. And the process is very similar, but where you spend time on the self-awareness, the skill development, the re, the rebranding, the pivoting, yeah. you know, as yeah. a big C career change, uh, you're going to spend more time up front on that because the the investment's probably there to to you know take a slightly different lane, maybe yeah. a parallel lane. Yeah. Yeah. And do do you need to change careers? Like where 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 is the desire? What's the impetus of that? It, and so challenging somebody on maybe it is something a little bit different in what you're currently doing. So I think going through that 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 process intentionally is 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 good as well. Um, someone's looking to relocate. You know, you're you're you know, mm. even though things are a lot more remote now, but if someone's changing geographies, yeah, that can, that that can have a whole host of challenges. You work you work yeah. with people going from one location to another. Absolutely. And and we go back to our point of networking. So who do you know? So let's say you're um, you're in Calgary and you're relocating back to Vancouver. You might have grown up here, but you want to come back to Vancouver. So you start thinking about are there people in your network in Calgary that know people in Vancouver that could open some doors? What about your neighbors, your friends, you know, your family, etc. So so the network is important. And again, it's it's the market awareness. So what do I need to know about the differences in the Vancouver market versus Calgary? Oh boy, Calgary's got all these head offices. Vancouver, wow, there's not a lot, you know, a lot of government crown court, the big companies, yeah. a lot of small tech, like, you know, like get the lay of the land, right? And and so so um, it's that, it's the research, it's the network, it's the networking for research, right? It's that front end loading, be, be aware of what's going on. In, in some uh, circumstances, you, you almost need to have relocated to have a, a better yes. um, uh, to really be taken well, seriously it, yeah, it really does help it lowers the risk factor right so you know from the recruiting perspective they're trying to minimize the risk find the best candidate that's the closest fit so if i'm a risk because i'm relocating you know one way i can reduce that risk is to say i'm actually here i'm committed or you know in i i'm i'm coming home so there's less right. likelihood that I that right. I'm going to get freaked out by the the housing market or you know, my family won't adjust or whatever. So 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 you've got that whole factor as well. But I, I think it's more about build your network, uh, understand what you're walking into. I think a lot of people that move to Vancouver don't appreciate how informal we are, how small we are, the size of our business. Business in Vancouver lists are a great source of information and people look at the revenue sizes of businesses and they're coming from big markets they're often really caught off guard and so that yeah. whole how do you position yourself uh to not be perceived as being big global company if your target is going to be small startups right there yeah. you, you 
got to do the work on the brand. You've got to connect with the right people. You've got to think through that value proposition in a way because each geography is quite different. Yeah, know know your audience. It applies right. to so right. applies to so many things. Yeah, Wendy, this this is this has been this has been uh, been great. There's been a lot of um, valuable pieces of information here. I think we talked about that networking piece is a common theme through this. If if someone wants to, to to reach out to you, I guess they could do so on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Wendy Knight at LHH, and uh, I'm more than happy if people want to email me. It's Wendy Knight at LHH.com. Awesome. Well, we'll put that in the episode notes and uh, appreciate you doing this. Thanks. It was fun. Enjoyed it. Hope it was helpful.